So I read a story the other day. Um, I don't read a lot, but when I do, I read things that I like to read. Um, But I read a story about uh, a pastor. Um, His last name was uh, Ratcliffe, a pastor Ratcliffe. And he uh, was asked to go to a prison um, to do some ministry. And as part of his prison ministry, there was a, a certain person in the prison um, that wanted to meet with a pastor because he felt um, that the Lord was trying to work in his life. Um, and so this pastor um, didn't really know a ton of the background of this guy, um, but he went to the prison to meet with him and, and found out that um, this, this inmate you know, had kind of gone through this conversion experience and really wanted to be baptized. Um, and so the pastor met with him, and they talked. Um, and, and through their conversations, he found out um, some of the stuff that Mr. Dahmer had done. Um, if you guys know Jeffrey Dahmer, um, a well-known uh, serial killer, who eventually... Uh, through conversations and through the work of the Holy Spirit, decided that he wanted forgiveness. He knew that the nation would never forgive his crimes in the sense of letting him go, Um, but he knew that God had a plan for his life, even in the midst of some of the worst things that we can think about people doing. Um, And so Pastor Ratcliffe um, even ended up uh, baptizing him in the prison, in one of the metal pools that they have that they, that they use for injuries and stuff. Um, and so Mr. Dahmer ended up, whether, he, he ended up getting baptized. And I love this story because when you read about Jeffrey Dahmer, you know how horrifying that is. But then you also see the side where he was baptized And it's really easy to be kind of skeptical of that because you've seen all this other things that he's done, but then you see this baptism and you see how God can work in someone's life. And it's easy to become skeptical and it's easy to forget the purpose that Jesus has for all of humanity. And today we're going to learn about um, that purpose and that's that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Um, another big name that's been in the news the last couple weeks has been Kanye West. You guys know, some of you have listened to his album. Anybody, anybody a fan? Yeah, we got some fans in here. We're working on getting the 100-person choir in here. Uh, but Kanye has gone through this conversion experience, and there's interviews, and there's the, the album, and, you know, it's easy to become skeptical of something like that. But we have to remind ourselves that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And we're going to read a story today um, where that same situation happened. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, um, verses 1 through 10. Um, And just to get you caught up to where we're at, um, Jesus is kind of a big deal at this point in the gospel. Um, He's been traveling. He has been teaching. He's been performing miracle after miracle. Um, He started to do this thing where he tells his disciples that he's about to die and then be raised from the dead, um, and they still kind of don't get it. 
But he's been going around doing all this, and he's on his way to Jericho. Um, on his way, he heals a blind man, no big deal, you know, um, things that Jesus does quite often. Um, and so it, it's no side note to say that Jesus kind of demands people's attention even when he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to do anything. He just has people's attention. And so this morning we're going to read um, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house, this house, because of this man, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, uh, most importantly, Jesus, um, the message that he has, um, the person that he is and was. And God, we thank you for sending him to live, to teach, and to die so that we could be um, forgiven. God, we thank you that he came to seek and save the lost. And as we dive more into this passage today, I pray that you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a story that in a church setting you hear quite often, especially in children's ministry. Um, we teach it. We teach about Zacchaeus, the, the, the short guy who climbed a tree. Um, and you may have even have heard of the, the hit, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. That's good. You don't have to play anymore. I mean, it's a great song. It's definitely um, top 100 on my Spotify, but, um, but we all, you know that song. If you've been in church for any amount of time, um, you've heard it. Maybe you've taught it to some of our kids. Maybe you were taught it at some point when you were growing up, but you've heard the story of Zacchaeus. It's not, it's not a story that we skip over. It's one that we read about a lot because there's a lot of good things in that story, and it's very catchy right? And Zacchaeus, now the rest of the day it'll be in your head. So you are welcome. I did my job today. Um, but we learn about Zacchaeus and that he was a tax collector. And tax collectors were not, not really liked back in the day of Jesus, right? Because 
they were supposed to collect taxes for the government, and that was their only job. There wasn't any rules or regulations as to how they were to go about that. So they would often steal money from people um, and then just keep it for themselves because that was, I mean, no one was watching them. No one was making sure that they took only what they needed to. They would take a lot more than they often needed to. And so tax collectors were not well-liked in that time. Um, and at a glance, it seems that Zacchaeus being wealthy is only good for two things in our story. You know, it gives us a little bit of a glimpse into Zacchaeus's lifestyle, right? You know that he's wealthy. You know that he's, he has lots of money and that he can do whatever he wants. He can live the life he wants. He can have the house he wants, the car he wants, whatever. He can live in whatever way he wants to because he's wealthy. And Luke tells us right out of the book that he was a wealthy man. Um, and so we see that but the second thing it is good for, it, it, you can see that there is a turnaround that's about to happen. Because in order for us to understand it, we see that he was wealthy, but we also see that he's about to give away what he has. But sometimes we forget that this story and some of the stories we read are connected to other things that we've read in the past or that we will read in the future in the gospel. And if you turn back just a couple chapters, there's a story about a rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler, if you don't know, came to Jesus and he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him that he must sell everything he has and follow him. And the rich young ruler does exactly that, right? No, he can't. He's a, he has this wealth, however he's acquired it, whether it's been from inheritance or whether he's made it himself, but he can't do it. And so Jesus tells us that it's hard for somebody that's wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven because it's hard for them to give it away and follow him. And so now a couple chapters later, we're learning about a guy named Zacchaeus, and so this kind of sets the entire stage for this turnaround. We learn that it's hard as a wealthy person because it's easy to live the lifestyle you want and think about only what you can grab for yourself, and it's hard to see that. So we, we learn that he's wealthy, and if we connect it with that story, it kind of makes this story a lot bigger of a deal. Um, Luke's, Luke also informs us that, Ke- that Zacchaeus was short, um, that he could not see over the crowd, um, and if you weren't sure why this is important, oftentimes shorter people in their society were not as renowned. The taller you were, the more prestige people thought you had. But in our case, Zacchaeus would have been pretty well known because most people would not have liked him because he would have been the guy that was taking their money for the government and for himself. But we see that he wanted to see Jesus. There was something inside of him, whether it was the excitement of this guy who had been traveling and healing and teaching, or whether it was something else that urged him that he had this feeling that he wanted to see Jesus. And he was so desperate to see him that it wasn't like, I'm going to push my way through the crowd. No, he ran ahead and found a tree. And he climbed up in the tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. It wasn't so that he could meet him. It wasn't so that he could have this like moment where he looked down on Jesus and was like, hey, there's that guy. I can take a picture, post it on Instagram. No, he, he just wanted to see him. And so he runs ahead, and he climbs the tree, 
and, and, and is just waiting for Jesus to get there. And as Jesus approaches the tree, he stops and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, get down. I'm going to be a guest at your house today. Now I want you to imagine what a moment this would have been. There are hundreds, thousands, there's, there's a ton of people lined up to see Jesus just walk through. And this one guy that's in a tree gets the attention of Jesus. And not only does he get his attention, it's not like, oh, there's a guy in a tree, that's interesting. No, he stops, and he looks at him, and he calls him by his name. A lot of commentators think that this may have been one of the first times he's heard his name said in this way, in a loving way like his parents would have, because most people that would have said his name probably either wanted something from him or didn't like him, and they just said his name because they had to. But in that moment, Jesus stops, and he looks up in the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree because I'm going to be a guest at your house today. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, not, it's kind of taboo to invite yourself over to people's houses, right? We joke about it every once in a while, like someone will tell me what they're having for dinner, and I'll say, okay, see you there. But if I actually showed up at your house with, like, Ray and I showed up, and we're like, all right, we're here for dinner, you probably would have that moment of, like, wait, like, he was, he was serious? <laughs> like, they're coming over to eat? Like, the house isn't clean? I don't have enough food? Like, there may be some moment where you're like, yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I thought you were kidding, right? But in this moment, Jesus is like, you know, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And it wasn't a moment of panic for Zacchaeus. He doesn't panic. He doesn't freak out. He gets down from the tree as quickly as he could, and he is honored to have Jesus at his house. It was an honor to have a notable teacher come and, and eat at your house or to spend time with you. And so Zacchaeus was super excited that Jesus was coming over for dinner. Um, and then from there, our, our view shifts from Zacchaeus and Jesus to the crowd, right? So far, we've been only focused on Zacchaeus, the short guy in the tree, and Jesus, this well-known teacher that heals people. And now, it's all of a sudden, our focus is on the crowd. And it says that people were upset. People were mad. They're like, why is Jesus going to be at the house of this sinner? Why is Jesus going to eat with this tax collector? Why is he going to spend time with that person? He's a scumbag, right? He is the worst of the worst, and yet Jesus decides that's the house that he's going to? Like, Jesus, come on. Like, you could come to our house. Like, we'll, we may not have as good a food, but like, come on. Like, at least I'm not that guy. And people are mad, and they're grumbling back and forth. Um, but when we see the end of the story, we understand that the greater implication that is here. And so Jesus goes to the house with the disciples. We know that Zacchaeus was wealthy, so he probably would have had plenty of room for Jesus and the disciples to come and eat a meal. 
But Jesus goes to the house not just for food, um, but he understands the value of investing in that relationship. He knows that Zacchaeus is this guy that nobody seems to love, and so he goes to his house and understands the value of investing in that relationship. And it's, it's not a coincidence that it was around a dinner table, because dinner tables have been and, and still are a place for fellowship. Sometimes we hurry through meals, and we go through so we can move on to the next thing. But don't underestimate the power of sitting down at a table with friends or family and investing in those relationships. And we don't know all that was said at this table. We don't know what conversations took place. We don't know if Jesus taught. We don't know if he you know, called Zacchaeus out. We don't know what happened in that moment or if it was just being in the presence of Jesus that changed Zacchaeus's heart. But we see that he has a change. We see that in this moment, there is this, all of a sudden he has an aha and realizes that something needed to change in his life. And he stands up from the table and he says, look, I'll, I'll give half of everything I own to the poor. And on top of that, if, I, if I've wronged anybody, if I've cheated anybody, if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to give it back. But I'm going to give four times as much back as I took. And Jesus recognizes it and said, this shows that salvation has come to this house. The rich young ruler wasn't able to give anything he had. He wasn't able to give up any of his money. He wasn't able to give up any of his wealth. And then we, we skip forward to Zacchaeus and we see that he's giving half of everything he has to the poor, but on top of that, he's giving back what he's stolen. So we don't know what he's left with, but it's definitely less than half. It's probably not much if you think about how, many, how much money he gained off the people that he was collecting taxes from. But Jesus states it out loud so that everyone in, in that house could hear. But he says, this shows that salvation has come to the house. And then Jesus makes the statement, this purpose statement, so that in this moment we can see why he came. He says, the Son of Man came to seek out and give life to those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. He came to seek and to save those people that don't know who God is. To seek in definition is to attempt to find something or someone. To search or find something. And so my question for us today is, are we attempting to reach out to lost people? Are we seeking out lost people? Jesus sought out Zacchaeus by looking in the tree. Are we seeking out lost people, or are we just waiting for them to come to us? I find it interesting that Jesus didn't invite Zacchaeus to join him and his crew. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. He went to the place 
where Zacchaeus lived. He went into his world. He didn't invite Zacchaeus into, into his. Jesus went to the place that Zacchaeus lived, the place that Zacchaeus hung out. It wasn't like, hey, come along. Like, I'm going to teach you who I am. It was, I'm going to go to his house. And in that, that setting, I'm going to explain who I am. So are we seeking the lost? I think, you know, we can say that we are, and sometimes it is uh, praying for people that are lost. I know a, a while back we talked about praying for the lost. We talked about friends and family that we have that don't know Jesus. Um, and so we said we would pray for them. And, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. Prayer, like we said at the beginning, is powerful. And it is up to the Holy Spirit to change lives and to change hearts. But it's really easy to pray for somebody. It's a lot harder to have a conversation. It's, it's a lot easier to invite people to an event at church than it is to go to their house or invite them to your house and meet with them and talk to them about Jesus. Conversations are not always easy, and sometimes they're uncomfortable. But in order to seek and save the lost and to partner with God, we need to get a little uncomfortable. The other thing about seeking and saving the lost is that we can't question God. We are not in the position to question who is in and who's out. And I think just like the story about Kanye West, it's super easy to be skeptical. I've spent way too many hours this week trying to figure out if Kanye is for real or not. I've listened to interviews, I've read blogs, I've read articles, I've listened to the music to see if there's anything in it that like stands out as heretical or anything like that. And it's really easy to dive in and think, man, this guy is just doing it as a stunt. Man, this is just a ploy to get people to listen to his music. But we're not in the position to judge whether God has changed Kanye's heart or not. We're not in the position to judge whether God changed Jeffrey Dahmer's heart or not. We're not in the position, just like the people in the crowd weren't, to judge if Zacchaeus had a change of heart or not. We don't determine when real conversion occurs. Only God does. And so today, as we, as we close, I want you to, at some point this week, have a conversation with someone that you think may not know Jesus. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be weird, and it may, you may not even know how to start that conversation. But I want to encourage you to seek, to, to go and search for people that don't know who Jesus is. 
That was Jesus' purpose on earth. He came to seek and to save the lost. And it doesn't matter who they are, if they've done hundreds of terrible things, if they've gone and, and written a bunch of rap music and then decided now they're going to write gospel music. It doesn't matter who they are. That's not up for you to decide. What is up for you to decide is that you can allow the Holy Spirit to use you to talk to them about Jesus. You have the opportunity to let God work through you if you're willing to let him do it. And so maybe you need to write yourself a note that says like, hey, I need to talk to so-and-so to this week. Maybe you need to text them right before you leave here and offer to get coffee with them or offer to get a meal with them or offer to do something with that person. But I think we're not doing ourselves a favor by just only inviting people to come to events. We're not doing ourselves a favor by waiting for people to show up on the doorstep we're not doing ourselves a favor or the kingdom of God any favors by doing that. Jesus sought out lost people, and so should we.